Hi, and welcome to episode 339 of No Crying in Baseball, The Wisdom is Power episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, how's it going? Really good. I'm having a good day. I had a nice weekend, and I'm having a good day. That's a really good thing to say on a Monday. So, yeah. so out there, folks, we usually record on Sunday evenings, but I got back from New York City, of all places, late last night. So we are recording on Monday, and I will quickly edit this and get it to you at our regular dropping time. Yeah, so you can compare and contrast how we do after, well, in my case, a full day of work and then recording as opposed to a full day of, you know, show prep, laundry, reading a book, you know. Yeah, I was I was about to say that it's impressive, especially impressive that you had such a good day at work on a Monday. Yeah. Like that's, that says a lot. I think. Yeah, it's it's a good gig. I have a good gig. Yay me. Yeah, I did. I worked today. It was an official official professional day, which means we had to do professional things. And I actually went into my little classroom and got ready for the beginning of the semester tomorrow, which is very exciting. Oh, that is very exciting. Yeah. Yay. So I'll go in like all bright eyed and bushy tailed after <laughs> after editing with whiskey tonight. Sure you which will. Which is going to happen anyway. Hey, we had a super fun thing that we did last Thursday. We hung out with more women baseball podcasters. That was a really cool thing. So huge shout out to Babes Babes podcast for getting us all together. They got together um, them plus six other podcasts and shit. I don't know if I can remember all. There was There Is Clang baseball upper decks which were a yankees and we were we all played very nicely together brewers babes yeah and peace love and baseball and one more shit i could have written it down yeah we'll 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 link we should link to it actually because you can see us on the youtube and uh we're all i've heard of the youtube it's (laughs) the whole thing the the kids today watch the youtube it is yeah the kids that's where they see the moving pictures right right and and i'm sure that's and that's where i learned about the whole mash thing that we were way aged out on but mash is the best sitcom of all time it's not a ridiculous game involving crossing things out right so you know you can classify yourself as to how you fall on that were you among the mash watchers or the mash doers and that, I think, you know, differentiates uh, Gen X and Millennials, right? Gen Z, all those. I believe that is the case. Yeah, something like that. Anyway. But needless to say, we're, we were the old ones. Yeah, but it was super fun. We did a lot of really good baseball talk. We learned about each other and uh, some good camaraderie there. So check check it out for sure. Uh, yeah, and, and um, I just wanted to – I think I ended up preparing enough. I was – I put in the notes that bus Wi-Fi sucks because I was a little bit – frustrated to and from New York that was going to be my my podcast planning time because I was on a bus and it said it had Wi-Fi. And what it, else are you going to do, right? It, yeah, it just did not quite go that way. The bus there was super uncomfortable. The bus back redeemed the, the concept of taking the bus to me, so I'm still entertaining that maybe I would do it again, um, but both ways... Well, didn't you say you were kind of terrified because of the whole Raven situation? That That's true. That's true. That was the bus back. Well, at least it was a comfortable bus. But yeah, we were driving back during the Ravens game. And all of a sudden, we, we learned to sit up front from our bad experience on the way there. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear the, the bus driver going, damn it. And I think there were some other swear words as well. And uh, Mr. Pottymouth looks at me and I was like, Ravens game <laughs> like I like I knew what it was after it like took me a beat and then yeah he proceeded to it was right when the 49ers had their first like uh wait no other Chiefs. game Chiefs yeah, yeah. we watched the then we the came Taylor back Swift team right 
which which is so lovely. Yeah, I think I just think that's very nice. And everybody who doesn't like it can go fuck off. Um, but then on the way back, we got back just in time to watch that other game, the the 49ers come back against the Lions, and that was also exciting. You know, football once a year I can handle. I think we'll probably do something for a Super Bowl, right? See, I got to. This is hilarious because officially I don't care who wins. Yeah. Anymore now that now that the Ravens right. are out, I have. N- n- but I'll still come in out and I'll and I'll eat the nachos. I got to tell and, you, you know, watch the commercials. And my stuff. dad was very concerned for you. Yeah, like he he was very excited. He really thought the Ravens were going to go all the way. He's like, Patty's going to be really happy. The Ravens are doing really well. And now he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Patty. That's very sweet. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you. On today's show, our guys in the Hall of Fame, our guys on the hot stove, our new guys with the Twins and the Cubs. We've got champs and a brawl in international baseball. We've got a really terrible police blotter and the total eclipse joke that's already been made. Cheers. Cheers. And to anybody looking at our Instagram feed, I really tried hard to focus Patty's shirt that says I stand for cookie, but really the uh, microphone uh, between the C being black and the microphone shadow, it kind of looks like I stand for Oki. And I know you don't stand for Oki. No, <laughs> Oki's not nearly enough. I will say I was excited. I'll tell you in a minute why I'm excited about being able to wear my cookie shirt again, because usually on Cubs Day, I'd wear my Ian Happ oh, Brings yeah. Me Coffee t-shirt but but today it's it's all about the cookie all right that's cookie cookies and coffee is a good combo mm. actually mm. all right we're baseball boyfriends so we are so old how old are we and and our podcast is now so old that for the first time two of our original baseball boyfriends have now made the hall of fame which means that they had to have stopped playing for five years after we picked them, which we picked them in the first season. And actually, I picked both of them. So yay. I feel like if, if you well, told me at the time. two out of three. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I, so both of the baseball boyfriends who made to the Hall of Fame from us were, were my picks from 2018. Plus, there's another guy, and we'll say congrats to him anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hopefully this bodes well for our other baseball boyfriend picks. Maybe there, there's got to be a few more that are going to make it. But Joe Maurer, I picked in 2018 for the Twins way back in episode 17. Double-digit episodes. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Like, I, you, you know, the brave of you out there can go back and listen to it and please report back to the class because I am not going to listen to that. I'm a little afraid that. to listen to the beginning of time episodes. I don't know. You, you, you're, would you do it? I, what's the worst to you? Uh, <laughs> I'm just curious. Some, if somebody tells me about it, I think I'd okay. be much All better right. at it than, than actually sure. listening himself. Um, it was, I believe it was his last year because um, – it was right after they decided to move him to first base because of too much time as a catcher and all the concussion dangers and things like that and other health issues. So Joe Maurer is that I picked him because he's such a good guy. So beyond just the playing that he's just a real good soul who does good things. And he's one of those um, one team, you know, for life kind of people. And that's rare these Super days. Super rare, yep. So he was with, he was even born in St. Paul. So he's an absolute local twins lifer. And to give him even uh, more credit, he even has twins of his own. So he was the first catcher to lead the league in batting average in 2009. He had a 365 average. And we talked about his 2000th hit actually on the time and how he felt so awkward on the field because there was so much attention because everything stopped and everybody's clapping at him. And he's sort of used to just, you know, you hit the ball and you play and now everybody's staring at him. So he said it was the most awkward he'd ever felt on a baseball field. 
But he has an annual um, charity event, Mauer and Friends Kids Classic, to benefit Gillette Children's, which is an organization that supports kids with a variety of disabilities. And he also, so known for being a good guy, partly because of his annual event, and other things that he's done way back to when he was a kid. And so I just, the new thing that I found out about Joe Maurer, besides, you know, you all can look at how many All-Stars and other awards he's gotten, but there was also a book written about him called The Right Thing to Do, A Joe Maurer Story, and it's a children's book. And it's a series of true stories about him, starting with him as a child athlete and things like, you know, picking that guy for his team and including making friends with a a high school classmate who is blind, who he noticed sitting alone at lunch and inviting him over. So just a good guy from the beginning to the end and something to make, you know, the the Minnesota-St. Paul area super proud. Also, one of my very favorite baseball boyfriend picks from way back, 2018 Rangers pick Adrian Beltre, episode 12. <gasps> and one, and Patty is the queen of titling our episodes, in case you don't know. And that one was titled Second Place in Testicular Torsion. So you can go back and listen to the details about that. But it has to do with the fact that Adrian Beltre does not wear a cup. And when he was playing on Seattle, he suffered a very unfortunate accident, yet kept playing (laughs) for five more innings. Um, He played a total of 21 seasons with four teams, the Dodgers, the Mariners, the Red Sox, and the Rangers. And I recently saw his Red Sox year referred to as a pillow year. It was sort of like a nice landing place when he started sliding and he bounced back and then he just took off with the Rangers. And I, I saw something else that basically said that he did better as a player in his 30s than he did in his 20s. So the Red Sox were that little launching pad for him. And I I remember at the time being super sad that they didn't they didn't keep him. So he totaled up 477 home runs, 3166 hits, and he hit for the cycle three times being the only MLB player to do that as both a visitor and a host in the same place ah, and cool. famously do not touch his That's head right. and <laughs> look that up on YouTube and they're they're really funny but he is a clown and you know that potty mouth sense of humor even so that when he um, got the call there's the the video of him and his family sitting around and he hesitated to answer it and everybody's like pick it up pick it up you know just to sort of you know joke with everybody around. All right, so lastly, congrats to Todd Helton, who also uh, is in the Hall of Fame now. And he retired after the 2013 season, so that was pre-No Crying in Baseball. I would like to think that if we were around when he was playing, we might have picked up on him. And he is only the second uh, player to go in from the Rockies. Wow. So power to the purple. All right. Excellent. We had a couple hot stove things to report. These are some boyfriends and just some guys that we like and want to want to follow. Reese Hoskins, who for a long time was, in fact, the face of the Phillies. 30 years old, first baseman. He just went to the Brewers, went to Milwaukee on a two-year, $34 million deal. And here's why. You may have heard of this guy, Bryce Harper. Right. So Reese, again, first baseman, played his whole career in Philadelphia, but then he mm. tore his ACL Last season, didn't play at all in 2023. Harper, Bryce Harper came back from his Tommy John and started at first base to make it a little easier on him and did really pretty well. It's so weird. So it's like home for Bryce is what it is. And so Reese really didn't have his place anymore. So he's like, okay, free agency, here I come. And Milwaukee said, yes, please. 
he's got these really deep ties to Philadelphia. That's going to be the hardest thing. He um, and his wife do a lot of charity work. And especially with the um, Muscular Dystrophy Association, they've got a personal interest in that. And they have made friends with families who are part of that of the association locally and come to games and they see each other and they, you know, they, they, the kids are like, they have a special relationship. Yeah. And so that's going to be, I think, pretty hard for that to go. But they strike me as the kind of family that when they go someplace new, they're not going to just say, you're not our home. This yeah. is our home. They're going to try to find ways to build those connections there too, which is pretty cool. His wife, Jamie, We've talked about before because she's also kind of hilarious, and she was the one running around to concession stands during the World Series when the Phillies were in up buying beer for people. Our new best friend. Our new best yeah. friend. So, like, she's one of those people that would totally be our, our baseball boyfriend, even though she's adjacent. Hey, right. Carlos Carrasco, Cookie Carrasco, Aww. 36-year-old right-handed pitcher, is going back to Cleveland. Wow. I'm so excited. He played for Cleveland 2009 to 2020, and... His 2017 season, he had the most wins in the American League. He had his leukemia diagnosis in 2019, and you might remember that All Star game where they did sure. the stand for stand for cancer and stand up for cancer, and they it, there was a lot of I stand for Cookie there, and he was there at that time, and he came back right. He came back enough to get in 2021. He got traded to the Mets with with Lindor on on that deal and played there for a little while and now he's going back to cleveland on a minor league deal but with an invitation to to spring training that's good which means if you make it out of there then you're on the 40-man roster he'll make two million dollars for the year if he makes the major league Mm -hmm. team if not he'll hang out in the minors but he'll be playing and i kind of feel like he's got some lost time to make up for. Sure. So I'm just really excited. And Cleveland loves him so yeah. much. I mean, he was a favorite. And then when you have this health scare and you come back from it and you show how strong you are and how dedicated you are, people love you even more. So he's going to have a, a, a pillow landing for sure, <laughs> right? Uh, Jack Peterson, oh. who was my Dodgers boyfriend in 2020 before he went to Atlanta in 2021, which was the year of the Pearls, right? Then went to the Giants for the 22 and the 23 seasons, now has a one-year contract with the Diamondbacks for $9.5 million. He's got an, so that's for the 24 season, he's got an option for the 25 season. This is his third NL West team. He is like, talk about having a bingo card for employment, right? So he has, he's a two-time All-Star. He's a two-time World Series champion. um, One of the best accessorized baseball players I'm aware of. So good luck, Chuck. I hope you like Arizona. Joey Gallo, your guy in 2020 from the Rangers. Also a two-time All-Star. Two-time gold glove hits bombs, right? Joey Gallo hits bombs. Went to the Yankees, then to the Dodgers. And then in Minnesota, and now our Nationals just picked him up Yay. for a year. So maybe we'll get to go see Joey Gallo at our home park. He'll probably play left field, but if um, there's a lot of kids, there's a lot of kids in the farm system who are outfielders. So if the kids mm. get call-ups, he may move over to maybe platoon at first base or DH. But hmm. it's going to be fun having a chance to see a little more Joey Gallo. Sure. I hope that he can keep the hitting up, too. He, his average is he's got this sort of like Kyle Schwarber situation mm. where, you know, he hits or he doesn't. Mm. Um, he hits meaning, a bomb where he does exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm hoping that he can keep that under control. I know the worst years were in were New York, but, you know, that's because he New York lost was... his hair then, too. So. Yeah, I know. It's got to affect you. So I'm excited to see him. I think that'll be fun. Um, though, did you see that this is the last year for the um, 
cherry blossom shirts. I did. I'm very sad about that. I did. Well, they have brand new uniforms that they need yeah. to sell. So We should um, do a whole new thing about that because that's, boy, I have feelings. Yeah. And I have sadness about the cherry blossom thing. We can still but, wear them. Yeah. And Joey Gallo will be able to wear them for a year. So there, there should be a Gallo blossom out there somewhere. <laughs> uh, so in our in our fun game, by the way, with, um, with the baseball babes and this mash thing that we did that some of you understand and some of you are as clueless in me as I am, there was this thing where they got to pick – uh, a sort of a bad example for each of us in various categories. And they very creatively picked Aaron Hicks for my face of the franchise for my team, which is sort of like a double shot against me because he was both a Yankee and an Oriole and had like a big comeback year as an Oriole. Whereas I just kind of went, oh, Aaron Hicks. Yeah. <laughs> I was the only one on that entire call who said, oh, Aaron Hicks. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I mean, he definitely way better with the ending taste, I guess, with the Orioles than he did with the Yankees. Um, however, he did have some time on the Yankees that I was, you know, not happy with. He is now going to the Angels. One year on the league minimum salary of $740,000. And I was wondering about that because I was like, wow, he, he just he's coming off of like a bounce back year. But it's okay because the Yankees are still paying him a shit ton of money for their old contract. So he's still getting $9.78 million this year and next year, plus another million buyout in 26. So it's good to see the Yankees paying for uh, a guy who's playing in various other places. Hey, can you tell us about what we're drinking while I'm finished pouring our, our sure. second beer, our well, shared beer? Well, the first beer that we just finished Which I love. is a limited release, so go out and get it quickly. Freezing Season Winter Ale by Flying Dog Brewery, which used to be very local here in Frederick, Maryland, but got bought out by somebody, and so now it's less local. But they still have really cool labels, and they're good peeps, so yeah. And we just poured Ignite India Pale Ale which is also a pretty tasty thing. And I can't read writing that small, so I don't know where they're from. Oh, Hellbender. Oh, they're Hellbender. Yeah, yeah I think we did oh. this one last week, too. Oh, yeah, but I really of course. Like there's, there's the the whole Hellbender lizard there right. right on the right on the front. Yes, that was pretty tasty. Um, but yeah, if you can get yourself some of that flying dog, the freezing season is really yeah. tasty. Yeah, we might have to get another one at the rate we're going here. We might. We might. Hey, Colin McHugh. Um, near and dear to our hearts, we would like to say we have a very close relationship because he's also a baseball podcaster. Right. right. He announced that he's retiring after 11 uh. seasons in the major leagues. He was a World Series champion in 2017 with Houston, which is when we started the podcast. So we have all kinds of relationships with yeah. Colin McHugh. He played the last two seasons with his hometown Atlanta team. He's also kind of hilarious. He said... I threw 90 miles per hour. I was never supposed to make it out of single A ball. <laughs> but he, for a while, had a podcast called The 12-6, which, right. which is a curveball reference. And I'm really hoping that he spends some time on that in retirement because his interviews with, you know, his coworkers, right. with other players were really fun. He asked good questions, mm -hmm. but he, and he had this very relaxed relationship with them because they were his peeps. Yeah. So I'm kind of hoping he goes back to that. But um, Colin, enjoy your retirement. You earned it, buddy. Yeah, and he has some progressive politics. Like, he's a good, outspoken, pro-union kind of dude. So. Yeah, if we were allowed to have um, pitchers as boyfriends, he mm -hmm. would. Yeah. Absolutely. He was sort of with the Red Sox, but then he didn't play. It was 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and he took it off. So, oh, well. All right, so, you know, speaking of the aforementioned Twins, uh, with Joe Maurer now hitting the Hall of Fame, we are also featuring the Twins for our baseball boyfriends. These are the guys that we pick in the offseason because they're cool. 
there's something about them that we like and we don't repeat. So we're digging deep now because we've been at this for a while. So it, we tend to pick either, you know, new guys or maybe guys who have moved around. For the twins, I am picking a fairly new guy, third base Royce Lewis, 24 years old. And I, I always look for like that one thing that makes me interested in them before I start looking into them a little bit more deeply. And I, I just, you know, looked up twins quickly. And last week, the twins had a live auction to raise funds in support of neurodegenerative. Wow, I really said that right, right? Neurodegenerative disorder you research. You stuck the landing. Oof. Um, and, and so he was there along with a bunch of other players, but super paying attention and listening to all the moving speeches about, you know, from people who had suffered from disorders or, um, or medical personnel. And on the spot, he added something to the live auction with his fiance. They added on lunch with them, plus tickets and batting practice passes to a game and immediately sold for $10,000. So he just netted $10,000 extra dollars for the um the research the that that they're funding through the through this auction. You're not going to say it again, are you? No, I'm not. I was. I looked <laughs> at the word and then I thought no. But and and there's a a connection here for the twins. It's in memory memory of Bob Allison, who was a twin in the '60s who died at age 60 of a rare neurodegenerative. There, I had to say it again. You did in it order. beautifully. <sighs> All right. All right, so back to Royce Lewis. So I, I, you know, was impressed by him being taking this seriously, 24-year-old guy, you know, doing it because he's part of the team, but then also going the little bit, the extra mile. And then I sort of fell for his parents. And this is, you know, always a good touch with baseball boyfriends. We want to hang out with his parents. I would love to hang out with his parents. His dad is part owner of a winery. So yes. <laughs> um, and, and his mom serves as like the bookkeeper. I, I didn't write it down, but she's also involved in the winery. Very nice restaurant in Newport Beach, California, wine bar. And kind of, I, I guess, you know, uh, for, for the elite a little bit and or, you know, folks who just enjoy really good wine and have the funds to do so, including Tori Hunter. So a former twin from back in the day who became friends with the dad sort of over wine recommendations. So who knew that Tori Hunter had this like, you know, interest in fine wine, but apparently he he does. Also, Tori Hunter is special assistant to the twins. So when Royce's name came up when they were scouting, he connected it because he knew him basically as he was growing up from being friends with his dad over wine. But it wasn't just Tory Hunter's recommendation that got him in. There was sort of a consensus among scouts that he was just this special kid. Um, one scout said he's a magnet. Other guys want to be around him. He loves to play the game. And that's something that I really look for is that kind of spirit and enthusiasm and just, you know, not taking anything too seriously. And he's coming out of high school here, too. And just to have that kind of, of sense of being and being able to present yourself in front of scouts and still do really well is impressive. Tori Hunter also added, oh, he's got the personality and the laugh. And I do like a distinctive laugh. Can't imagine why. Nope. No idea. I don't know. So why I love Tori Hunter also. So flashback, if you should remember from, shit, what year was it? 2013, I believe. Uh, ALCS, when when David Ortiz hit a home run and Tori Hunter f- went over the wall, like 
feet up and there's this great classic picture of the Red Sox cop or the Boston cop with a big like hands up like like this is what I'm going to say but you podcasters can't see me his hands are in the air in sort of the same Y formation that Tony Tory Hunter's legs are right next to him and Tory Hunter and David Ortiz are good buddies and like have laughed together since then so I feel like I can just sort of point that out as a happy moment in my memory um, so Royce signed up out of high school in 2017, and he was the first overall draft pick, number one draft pick. So he was something special. Maybe he got it from his mom, who I also would like to have some wine or maybe a beer with, Cindy Lewis. She played first base and pitched in softball for San Jose State. So um, Royce got a spring training in invite for 2021, but tore his ACL and missed the entire season. Tried to do a comeback in 22, played 12 games, and tore the ACL oh. again. So after like that kind of suffering, you would think that would you know, just get to you. And how do you come out of that? And I think a lot of how he has and how he's going to continue to come out of this is just his positive attitude. So he missed um, the rest of 22 after te tearing the ACL and the start of 23, and had a couple of other injuries in 23 that led to a shitload of time on the IL. So in 2023, this is last year, he only played 58 games for the season. However, in those 58 games, he had 15 home runs, 52 RBI, and four grand slams, which is the franchise season record for a player having grand slams in a season with 58 games. He also... In his 12 games in 2022, had a grand slam in one of those games. So he became the first player in MLB with five grand slams within his first 16 career Jeez. home runs. That's nuts. Yeah. How many things need to line up for you to even have the opportunity to hit a grand slam? Right. Wow. Yeah. Totally crazy. Totally crazy. And then also, he um, he managed to be healthy. Like, he just, I think, came off the IL in time for the postseason in 2023, and he homered in his first two postseason at-bats. Same game. So that made him the third player in MLB history after Gary Gaetti in 87 and Evan Longoria in 2008 to have homered in your first two postseason at-bats. And he was the second twin after Gaetti with multiple home runs in a postseason game as, you know, a young kid. So just to, to leave off uh, one of the quotations that I saw by him, which I think just sort of like encapsulates his spirit, is play the game that I love and smile about it. And I do love a guy who likes to play and smile. So that's it. Royce Lewis. We actually got pretty lucky with the Twins because they had a couple of rookies last year that were absolute stars mm. and also a whole lot of fun. Yeah. They definitely had a let the kids play vibe going on with the Twins. So three rookies, we've picked two of them. Wow, were were just stars, and everybody they, they just galvanized the fan base, which is really pretty cool. So I picked um, uh, Edouard Julien, um, goes by Eddie. He's twenty four, second baseman. He's French Canadian. He was wow. born in Quebec City, right? He played on a couple of teams, like uh, national teams for Canada. He played on the eighteen U team, eight, which was the um, the. For, for Quebec, which was the national champion in 2016. I'll tell you more later about the teams he played on for Canada. So he was a French speaker. Doesn't speak English. Didn't speak English. Wow. Has a little bit of Spanish. So where did he go to college? 
Auburn. He went to Alabama without speaking any English. Oof. This is a good story for you, Potty Mother. I think you'd like this. So he's got a, a, a history of, in all of these different challenges, making friends, becoming like part of the group, even with the challenges like, I don't speak. We don't share language, mm-hmm. right? And also, I'm not good at this skill, so I'm going to work super hard at it whether it's language, whether it's a baseball skill, works super hard, but has a really good time doing it. And everybody wants to hang out with him because he's just like this happy guy who, you know, and he's really dedicated. And he's also modeling some really good, you know, work skills, right? Mm -hmm. So no English. He's a college with no English. So he worked super hard. His teammates apparently teased him mercilessly, but in that way that your friends do. So it wasn't a mean thing. It was sort of goading him on until he got really... He This was at the beginning of his freshman year, right? Mm-hmm. By the time they're in the spring season, he was a captain of the team. Wow. He was a freshman. He was an All-American as a freshman. He was seen as a leader on the team. So it's a funny story where his coach was saying, I speak a little French. I, I speak enough. And, and Eddie said, nobody speaks French on this team. And they're like, well, your coach said, well, not very... Good. And his <laughs> yeah, coach, sure. I didn't say I spoke it well. I said I spoke it well enough, right? But but Eddie said, you hang out with those guys all the time. You're with them 24-7. That's how I learned my English. Them chirping at me and making fun of me and everything I said. And after a while, you have to get better at sure. it, right? At, at to 2019, he entered the draft at age 20 and as a sophomore, which is not what you do. That's too young. Right, you need to be a junior. You need to be twenty-one. Some mm-hmm. combination of those things, but because of the um, the secondary school he went to in Quebec, it's called Cardinal Roy. MLB said that should count, and actually counted that really? as a year towards his eligibility. So he entered the draft a year earlier than anyone expected him to do as a sophomore, and he actually wrote an apology to the Auburn fans, saying, "I know." The agreement was to stay for an extra year. You know, I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna gonna try this, but um, yeah. So he was he was such a um an important part uh, of that that college team. He wasn't drafted high. He um he went to Minnesota in the 18th round, but he really was ready. He said, "Thought I'm ready to go to the majors if they'll have me." So I'm gonna try it mm-hmm. now. You can always try it again later, right? After he was drafted in 2019, he played on the the um, Canadian Pan American Games team, and um, well, you know, he injured his elbow and had to have Tommy John. So hey, sorry about that. But the timing wasn't terrible because there was no there were no minor leagues in 2020, so we got to recover like during COVID when he wasn't going to be able to play anyway. So if you're going to have to have Tommy John and have to recover, that's the time. All right, so now he's recovered. The minor leagues start up again in 2021. Now there are two kinds of stories being written about him. There's the, he's a really good hitter. He's got like remarkable discipline at the plate. And he's a, but the other kind of story, terrible at defense, terrible at defense. It seems like those stories didn't reference each other. It wasn't, he's terrible at this, but, or Mm -hmm. he's great at this, but. You only had one story or another. Like you'd read the defense once, like why are you playing? Still playing? If you're so bad, right? And that's actually what Minnesota was talking about. They're like, we really love your bat, but 
I don't know if your defense is ever going to be good enough for the bigs, right? So they wow. they kind of needed him, wanted him a second base. They figured, well, maybe we'll go to first base or DH if we can't get his defense up. But you know what he did? He worked super hard like he did with his language skills. He got trash talked by his teammates. But in that supportive way, you know, they gave him so much crap for all the time he spent, like in the field, like fielding grounders and doing all these things. But it was that supportive kind of trash talk. And now he's so much more improved, right? He says, my whole life, I've been the French guy that nobody thinks he can play baseball. I wasn't speaking English. I speak a little bit of Spanish and French. Nobody else speaks French. It's not like I could have friends on certain teams. It was hard. It helped me just stay strong and keep working on it and don't mind the outside noise. I think that helped me for sure. And it sure as hell did because 2021, his first actual season in the minors, right? He played low A and high A. And for the season, he had 18 home runs and 110 walks. He's the first Minnesota prospect with, with over 100 walks in 20 years. He led all the minor leaguers in walks, and on base percentage in both the 21 and the 22 seasons, right? In the 20 at the end of the 22 season, he went to the Arizona um, Fall League, led the whole league in OPS. From there, he went to Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic. Oh, that's awesome! He led everyone the entire tournament in OPS. This wow. this French Canadian ball player had an OPS of 1.821, and he led in slugging 1.154. And wasn't Freddie Freeman on that team? He Freddie Freeman was on that team. And Oof. this isn't the team. This is the whole shebang. This is wow. all the players in the World Baseball Classic. That's crazy. Eddie led all of them in, in, in OPS and in slugging, right? And that probably more than anything got him ready to play in the majors because, you know, in the minor leagues, you are batting against minor league pitchers, not mm-hmm. major league pitchers. And so th- that really was a good way to lead him into – spring training, right? So he started um, in at, at AAA in the 23 season, but he came up very briefly in April for Joey Gallo. Oh. He came up in May briefly. We have but themes. his for real ca- call up was in June when Jorge Polanco had a hamstring injury. He came up and he stayed. And here's why he stayed. He's behind only Juan Soto for the lowest percentage of swings outside the zone. Wow. He's in front of Mookie Betts. He led Minnesota in in walks and on base percentage. His nickname was the God of Walks. The God of Walks. In August, he led all American League rookies that had more than 50 plate appearances in OPS. And with Royce and Matt Walner, who's the other remarkable rookie that year at this past season, he was in this incredible hitting class. They broke all sorts of records. These three rookies, they carried the team for a super long time. So his um, his 16 homers ranks sixth all time in a single season home runs among Canadian born and trained rookies, right? <laughs> he was he got two third place votes for rookie of the year. And this is this is the one that, you know, Gunnar Henderson won unanimously. So there weren't that many people that got other votes, right? But he got two third place votes. Just this past week, you know, MLB's been doing their top 10 in various positions. He's number eight on their top 10 second baseman list. And I got to love him because he said, I'd rather have the name God of Hitting instead of God of Walks. <laughs> that would be cool. But I love him because, you know, he's he's like he works super hard. He's making friends with everybody. And like Royce, has fun playing the game. And I love these young guys sure. who 
understand they're playing a game. Yeah. And have a really good, they work super hard at it, but they know it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. And they show it. Right. Right. Because that's, and that's what keeps them going. Like, that's what's going to keep the spark. You got to be enjoying what you're doing. And that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see. So did we get a delivery? So yes, if you heard any bumping while Patty was just speaking, that was because I was sipping while while I was listening to Patty and my my glass emptied. So I quickly text texted a tech support who brought us and so whenever you're ready because I'm going to go into my Cubs guy, brought us a black wing from Union Craft Brewery just right. to have a little bit of variety here. So that's what I requested. So, um National League Cubs. I'm going with Mike Talkman, and I don't even know if I pronounced that right. I really hope I did. Outfield. Um, and I didn't write down his age. I believe he's 30. I know he's up there because he's been around. And coming to the Cubs now is kind of a homecoming for him because it's his home team. He's originally from Palatine, Illinois, which is just a half an hour away from Wrigley. And he was a a Cubs fan and played baseball in high school as well as football. And we do like, you know, admire people who don't just do that one sport thing all the way through because that's not always very healthy. But he excelled in football so much that he played in a game against Jimmy Garoppolo, who I remember from his time with the Patriots. And man, in hindsight, the Patriots probably should have hung on to him. Right now he's with the Raiders. He also spent some time with the 49ers. Um, but they matched up against each other in football, and uh, Mike won the matchup by both uh, having an interception against Garoppolo and the game-winning touchdown pass. So right now he looks back on it and sort of says, well, you know, he's gotten a lot better since then. That doesn't, you know, it's a fun thing to talk about, but it just kind of jumped out at me. It's kind of unclear how much he'll be playing in 2024. It depends on... Uh, one of the rookies, Pete Crow Armstrong, which I, I maybe I should have picked him. I, I looked at him. I looked yeah, at him. Yeah, I was. Th- I thought that you would. I don't know. And and then potentially if um, Cody Bellinger comes back, but that's up in the air. Still, no re-signing there yet. He did avoid arbitration, however, which I think is a positive move on the part of both you know him and the Cubs with a one-year, one point nine five million dollar deal. So he's there for the year. He. When uh, way in the Wayback Machine, he originally signed with the Rockies, and he signed after completing his business management and administration degree at Bradley University. So, getting that that education, playing baseball at Bradley, debuted in 2017, and then was traded to the Yankees in March 2019, and had a pretty good year with the Yankees. And I recall hating him for that year because he came up and he went in at like those key times and did very well. That year, he actually had a 865 OPS with 47 RBI. So you want those guys on your side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not on the Yankees, and you know, especially those. It was a little bit bitter. That was the year after the the Red Sox World Series. It was the wonderful year of the Nationals World Series. However, I was still bitter. But he wasn't solid then. He was still going up and down. And he was in AAA right before the London Series. And at the last minute, John Carlos Stanton was injured. And he literally got the call while the Yankees were playing. And after that game, they were all going to be flying to London. And so he had to pack his bags. He called his wife, who was at home in Chicago. They met in New York, and they went 
to London and he got to play in the London series, that crazy London series between the Yankees and the Red Sox. So hold on to that for just a minute. 2020, a rough year for a lot of people, but especially Mike Talkman had a decline then. And in April of 21, he was traded to the Giants and DFA'd in July and then was not picked up. And he spent the season in the minors. And during, during the lockout that year, in December of 21, he was sort of looking at the writing on the wall and seeing how things had not been going well for him. The lockout had this, you know, a lot of insecurity. Nobody knew exactly what was going to be happening at that time when the season was going to start. And he took advantage of the situation and went to the KBO, went to the Korean League with the Hanwha Eagles. And for, you know, I commend both him and his wife for being willing to just have an adventure and pack things up and give it a shot. And he said that for him, it was a year of you've just got to figure it out on your own. So it's like that, you know, you're managing in a totally different culture that they do not know a lot about, totally different language. And he said the only person you truly, truly rely on is yourself. But that was good for me. So it was a good experience for him to just sort of have to suck it up, play every day because that's what was expected of him and acclimate to a new Uh, environment and they took advantage of it in the way that I think people should when they're in a new country. They tried the food, they traveled around, and they really got into the Korean baseball culture where everybody cheers and everybody sings. And he said, you know, they they would just be singing around the house, he and his wife, because the songs really do (laughs) kind of get stick at your head. And every player has their own song. And he did really well. He had a 289 average with 795 OPS. 43 RBI. He led his team with 37 doubles, and he was third in all KBO in doubles, and he had the most hits on his team. He was the second on his team in walks um, with uh, 64, and second in stolen bases with 19. So I think his, his sort of tips for others about what to do when you're traveling are also important. He said that we he and his wife know that in the future, with international travel, being able to say hello and thank you will get you a long way. And living internationally has opened our eyes to different ways of living that we hope to bring back with us to America. So he came back, signed a minor league contract with the Cubs in January of 23 with very low expectations, but ended up being a little bit of a saving grace to the Cubs last year. Cody Bellinger was injured in May. It gave him the opportunity to come in, play all three outfield positions. He ended up playing 108 games, which I think is kind of a cosmic number in Chicagoland. Um, 252 average, 740 OPS. And what was key about him, though, beyond sort of, you know, solid but middle-of-the-line stats, was his defense. And because of his defense, the Cubs decided not to sell at the deadline. I don't know if that was a good decision in hindsight. Maybe it wasn't. But uh, that they, they were, you know, going for it in obvious shirts. That's always sort of a barometer on how somebody's doing. Made a shirt called The Summer of Mike Talkman. He did get to go to London again for the Cards and the Cubs game. And I tried really hard to find out if there was anybody else who had been at both of those London series. And I couldn't figure it out. So, Mm. dear listeners, if you know, please, please fill me in. Yep. That's it. All right. Now I'm going to pour a beer. Okay. Well, I'm going to drain my beer so there's room for you to pour a beer for me. That didn't take long. All right. Hey, so I picked Patrick Wisdom because I think I have a thing going where I'm picking old rookies. I thought you were going to say that you have some wisdom. 
Well, I I feel pretty wise about picking Patrick Wisdom, but also I've, you know, I I picked Joey, I picked Stone, and now Patrick. These are guys who are, you know, their rookie year comes when they're Uh, way older than most rookies are. Sure. So Patrick Wisdom is 32 years old. He's listed at third base, but interestingly, if you pull up the depth chart for the Cubs, he's the only guy listed at first base. Hmm. The only guy. Usually there's two or three people at every infield position for depth purposes, at least. So I'm sticking them, you know, here in first base, and we will see what Yahoo does to me later if they will let me <coughs> play him at first base if I want to. Anyway, so Patrick Wisdom is from Murrieta, California. He went to St. Mary's College of California, where he was third all time in home runs. But what I liked about his college career is what his coach said about Patrick Wisdom's mom, which was, in college, my coach would be like, I don't have to tell you what to do because your mom yells at you from the stands anyways. <laughs> if you swing at a bad pitch, your mom's going to yell at you, not me. And then Wisdom said, I don't think she ever missed a game growing up. There's no better coach than someone who sees you every single day. She knew what was going on, if it was going bad or if it was going good. So I'm a big fan of Patrick Wisdom's mom. Maybe not so much for the yelling, but I like how invested she was. I think sure. that's pretty cool. Patrick Wisdom was drafted way back in 2012 by St. Louis in the com- in the um, competitive balance round. That's the round that you get based on like you know having a free agent you know turning down a, a what you call it the um, what is it? It's the it's the deal that everybody gets offered and anyway anyway the competitive balance round comes between the first round and the second official round of the draft. So. You could say he was a first-round pick. You could say he was a second-round pick. He was in the middle. He was in the middle. He debuted in 2018 versus the Royals, and he had his first two hits in that game and an RBI. He got bounced around a lot. This is a perseverance story. I've been telling you a couple of those, right? In December of 2018, he was traded to the Rangers. He started the next season at AAA Nashville. He got his call up in April when um, Ronald Guzman went on the I.L. Hey, that was my old guy. Right. So he was there from April to July where he got sent back down to Nashville for the rest of the season. Then at the end of that season, he was a free agent again. Seattle picked him up in November for a year. He didn't play because it was 2020 and they Mm -hmm. would have picked him up for a minor league deal. So they DFA'd him in August where he hadn't played at all and still got DFA'd in August of 2020. The Cubs picked him up at that point in 2020 for a minor league contract, and they called him up in September to pinch hit for Anthony Rizzo. Very exciting. They DFA'd him two days later. Oh. So, I mean, like, talk about just, like, the sticking with it after all of these things. You know what? 2021 happened. He's a 30-year-old rookie in 2021. Chicago picks him up again, Right. He gets his call up on May 25th. On May 31st, this past season, he hit, uh, in 2021, he hit two home runs versus San Diego on the next next day, right? He was the NL player of the week, the week ending June 7th, because he went 10 for 23 with six home runs. This was the guy who'd gotten like kind of shoved around and yeah, you're up for a couple days, then you're back down. We're going to DFA you. Nobody will pick you up. It'll be fine. Stuck with it from 2012. He's stuck with it, right? And this is 2021, right? He's still in there. He is one of three players with Trevor Story and Aristides Aquino to hit seven home runs in his first eight starts. I think you picked both those guys. I did. 
I did. Ian Happ, who I also picked, said that <laughs> that, that was the season that the Cubs decided their actual offensive strategy was get it to wisdom with guys on base. <laughs> he was a hot bat. He broke Chris Bryant's record for Oof. home runs by a rookie, which was set in 2015, ending at 28 for the year. He's also not only like a good son, like cares about what his mom thinks, but he's a good dad, right? So remember, he's a grown-up. He's mm-hmm. in his 30s. He's married. He has two daughters, Molly and Claire. And he says, it's really cool to share these moments with them. It's like, you girls got to run around Wrigley Field yeah. and just have a ball and play in the dirt, throw the ball around, touch the ivy. That's pretty special. What I really liked was that my oldest, Molly, who's like maybe four or five maybe at the time of this, we were up in a lobby and they have a screen with different pictures that come up. She was going, there's Contreras. Oh. There's Simmons. There's Ortega. And I'm like, dang, she knows everyone. She's in tune. She loves the game. I think Saya is her favorite <laughs> player, but that's all right. He's one of my favorite players, Aww. too. He does a lot of charity work for um, for St. Jude, St. Jude's like Children's Research mm-hmm. Center. Uh, currently, back to obvious shirts, we're citing them a couple times. They I Currently, like right this very second, 100% of the proceeds on a variety of Patrick Wisdom shirts through oh, Obvious Shirts benefits St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. So cool. Including the one that says Wisdom is Power That's and the one, one that says P. Wizzy <laughs> on it. Um, and he's done other things like he's auctioned his cleats from the, his Field of Dreams game to benefit St. Jude's. He does a lot of things like that to benefit benefit St. Jude's, which is pretty cool. And he was talking about this like long, strange trip, right? He said, I've never thought about hanging up the cleats. This is a game. I'm having fun. I enjoy being in the clubhouse with the guys. I enjoy the road trips. I enjoy the home stands. I still enjoy the game, so that never crossed my mind. I was fine playing in AAA. Obviously, you want to play in the big leagues, but I was putting food on the table for my family, so I couldn't complain. All right. Wow. How's that for Zen? Patrick Wisdom, my friends. Next week, we've got the Mariners and the Marlins. Wow. You left us with some wisdom from wisdom. I did. I appreciate that. All right, I'm going to give a little bit of international baseball wrap-up because uh, we've been following a couple of these leagues pretty closely over the winter, and it's done. We're getting ready for the Serie de Caribe, which is going to be starting this week. So in Lidam, the Dominican League, the Tigres de Licey are the second champs for the second consecutive year, B Campeones. They're number 24 overall, so now they are two over the second place, Aguilas Abeñas, for the most wins in Lidam. It went to game seven, and it was exciting, and they squeaked it out three to two. So a game wow. seven, and I would have been watching it had I not been at Spamalot on Broadway. And, you know, well, we had tickets and stuff. So three to two over the Estrellas Orientales. What's remarkable about the Tigres de Lice this year is their manager, Gilbert Gomez, is the youngest manager ever to win a Lidam title at age 30. So he's younger wow. than some of the players on his team. Um, he played in the minors seven years with the Mets organization and for the Tigres for three years until he was 25 years old. And he just made a career change and decided, I want to be a trainer and a coach. And wow. that's what he did. At 25. And, and, yeah. And he did well. And he actually um, was coach for Class A Mets, bench coach, and then manager. Uh, he was a batting coach, third base coach for the Dominican Olympic team. And so now he is a, the youngest manager to be winning a lead-on cha- championship. He won over 
Fernando Tatis Sr.'s team. And he's and, and I was thinking, oh, Tatis Sr., that's got to be an old guy, right? Fernando's father. No, he, he's 49. Oh. So, you know, that's that. I'll just put that out there. Oh. Uh, so congratulations to winning pitcher of that game, Jonathan Otto. And I don't know if anybody else remembers, but I do. When he spent a year on the Red Sox in 2015, not a very good year. And he won over Henry Sosa, which... Some listeners might remember from the CPBL, he was on both the Fubon Guardians and the Monkeys. He also was on the Astros in 2011, and he had a couple years in the KBO with the Twins and the Wyverns. So, Serie de Caribe on Liram, you will see Aquaman Jorge Alfaro. He made the team, and they get to do these reinforcements. I know that um, Robinson Cano, even though he was on the losing uh, Estrellas Orientales, he gets to come in and go to the Serie de Caribe, and Wander Suero is going to be going with Liram. So guy that we saw a lot with the Nats. Venezuela, the Tiburones de Guaira made it. They are managed by, we're ma- uh, still managed because they're going to the Serie A, managed by Ozzy Guillen, who is known for breaking droughts and also known for being a very colorful sword. So <laughs> they were, such a good right. for Ozzy Guillen. They, um, they had not won a championship in 38 years, and we talked about that before. And Ozzy Yen famously also ended an 88-year drought with the White Sox in 2005. So Personally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, as a manager. Um, but, you know, it's that Ozzy thing, I guess. So on the way to the championship for the Tiburones, there's a lot of emotion in game two, there was a benches clearing. I wrote kerfuffle, but it was an outright brawl. There were punches being thrown all over the place, and it all started because of my boyfriend. Uh-oh. So I'm feeling a little bit bad about this. However, I am going to defend him, especially this is a recent boyfriend that I just picked for the Royals, Michael Garcia. And he was the hero in in sort of, you know, the the way that I'm going to look at it. So the game was tied. This is game two. Things are tight. The game was tied eight to eight in the eighth inning. Lots of magic eights. There's going to be something oh, cosmic about that. Here you go with that. the numerology so, again. must be. Damn. And he hits a two-run home run. So like the height of enthusiasm and excitement, and he pimped it big time. Uh-oh. He pimped every part of this home run. He flipped his bat hugely. He sauntered the bases with all sorts of gestures toward the other dugout. He took his time making it to home plate. And when he was at home plate, he was greeted by the opposing team not being really happy about the way that he, uh, you know, enjoyed his home run. And he said, I wasn't trying to provoke anybody. I was just trying to get a really good hit because I knew that's what was needed in this moment of that game. I wasn't trying to offend anybody. He did offend folks. The bases, the the benches cleared. Um, There were lots of punches thrown. And all, so I was really trying to figure out what were the punishments from this because, and we'll link this, it was a huge brawl. I could only see that there were three ejections from the Tiburones. And I'm wondering about this because the Cardinales definitely started the punches and were behind a lot of the big punches. But Garcia was thrown out from the game. Franklin Barreto was thrown out from the game. And Yasiel Puig. So Yasiel Puig, who we know and remember from his MLB days... There were a lot of of, um, social media focus on his role in the brawl. He is a large guy and a good fighter. And 
the first twist was sort of making it look like, ah, oh, look, here goes Puig again. Like, we know this the way guy. He does. Yeah, yeah, this is the thing that he does. And he and his agent got very defensive about this, and probably because he still has some litigation against him, pointing out that he was actually in there trying to make peace. And if you look at his agent's version of the video, and so, you know, I mean, we weren't there, and so I'm looking at different parts of the video and trying to figure it out. It actually does look like he was trying to get between the teams and to stop people from fighting, and he did get sucker punched. And then he did retaliate, and when he retaliated, that's, yeah, as one does, and that's what sort of, um, you know, got the media on him. His agent, though, I mean, it's it's kind of wild, because she's been defending him for a long time against a lot of things, (laughs) and she actually brought up the ADA, which is, in my last check, a a United Statesian law (laughs) saying that every single person who treated Yasiel outside of the protection of this law will be held accountable. I think she's referring to the media. I'm not quite sure how the ADA comes into it, but she says that he has suffered enough. So if anybody forgets how much Yasiel Puig has suffered, there were three at least, at least in, in my review that I could find, sexual assault allegations that were settled out of court. So that never went to court. But what really brought him down in MLB was him being connected to an illegal gambling ring. Gambling will do it, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's got to come down to the gambling. And at first, he uh, took a plea. But then he reversed it. And so what I was really trying to figure out up till like right until I started assembling my newly delivered drum kit um, was was, was what's going on. Squirrel. Right. That drum kit was a big squirrel. Was was what's going on with his court date? Because he 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 decided to reverse his plea. So he had he had taken the plea and then he decided to reverse it. Plea not guilty. And the last I saw was he actually had a tentative court date for January of 2024, which is now, right? Yeah. And then I saw that it was rescheduled to an indefinite time. So that is still pending. And I don't know how much that affects whether or not he can return to MLB. But his numbers from the Venezuelan League have been – he actually did a a KBO year as well because he's just trying to get back in – whether he should be or not is mm, up for question. In the LVPP finals, he was batting 427 with a 1237 OPS, four RBI, and a home run. And he will be participating in the Serie del Caribe next week if you would like to see him. Michael Garcia, who I talked about um, that he was able, the, the Royals were giving him permission to stick it out this season with Venezuela, and he said that his goal was to bring this long-awaited championship back to the Tiberones. So he did that, and he's like, um, bye, I'm not going to the Serie So oh. I think that has to do with the Royals. He said, see in a couple years, he did very well. He was batting three thirty three with eight ninety three OPS, 4 RBI, and a homer. In the finals. I want to jump in real quick. So do you remember when we first, in the Wayback Machine, mm. started talking about Yasiel Puig? Mm. The thing that irked us was that he was licking his bat. Yes. Remember that <laughs> yes. was a thing because as, right. you know, humans, as parents, as whatever, we're like, you don't know where right. that's been? Ew, gross. And that was such the tiniest, tiniest thing. So small. So small that he ever did that made us go, oh, right. no. Right. And no. his and his agent now, it's weird because for a while he was with Trevor Brower's agent. 
and oh, and he God. apparently left her and moved up. And his current agent is really harping on that he's been taking advantage of because he because of his low education, he mm-hmm. finished I think fifth grade, something like that, and because of his ADHD, and that I think that's why she brought in the ADA. And she's saying that he was not treated fairly when he was when he made the plea bargain or whatever. And I don't know. I don't know where she's going with it. But sexual assault allegations. When I went back over those, and then this is we can link all this stuff in the notes. It's not pretty. It's not no, pretty. and this is back to the whole you know pick your battles thing. We we had picked like looking your bad as a battle, and that right. was so wrong. And <laughs> I, think, I apologize for that. No. I think that's all right. Hundred percent. All right. All right. What else? We are whew, mega episode. So we've got the the Sierra de del Caribe coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, it's coming up uh, February first to 9th in Miami, and Nicaragua's in it for the first time, along with Curacao, the DR, Puerto Rico with Yadier Molina's team. So that's exciting. Venezuela with Azigian. Like, there's just so many familiar faces. Mexico with the Naranjeros and Panama. Notably, Colombia and Cuba are not in because they were not invited, sort of. But go back to old episodes for more explanation on that. Yeah. Hey, our police blotter just makes me mad Mm. and sad and icky. It's or, gross. Wait, wait. I stand with Uki. I feel like you stand with it. This is the Uki part. You're sitting with Uki right I'm now. I'm sitting with Uki. The freaking Jackie Robinson statue That's so gross. from the McAdams Park in Wichita, which is the entry to a whole bunch of youth baseball fields, mm-hmm. was cut off at the feet and stolen by two people, thrown in the back of their truck, and driven the frick away. What the fuck are they going to do with it? I don't know. They've actually the the scrapyards have been notified to please. Please watch for this and don't, like, let anybody sell it Man. for scrap. Because what the hell? Yeah. So, okay. So, A, Jackie freaking Robinson, why the hell would you do that? B, the timing, right before the start of Black History Month, the the city, the powers that be, have set up a couple of levels of rewards up to $5,000 for tips that lead to recovery or that lead to prosecution Oof. of the people who did this. One of the council council members from this town has warned people that the general population is so angry about this desecration of and the stealing of this Jackie Robinson statue that they are likely to take matters into their own hands. So he's actually telling the, the perps, wow, for your own freaking protection, give it back before everybody out here is, who's so angry at you gets a hold of you. Oof. How about that one? Um, the statue was installed just pretty recently in 2021. Wow. And it was paid for by a little league nonprofit oh called League 42, God. which that's who uses these fields. It's like 600 kids that play in this league. They paid $50,000. They commissioned this statue. The I think the the um, the sculptor may have passed away, but his wife said, I guess the, the mold still exists. Oh, wow. They could create a new one. But they don't want to. They want yeah. that one. They want right. the one that was there. Why the hell would people cut Jackie Robinson off at the feet and take him away in the back of a truck? It's horrifying. It's horrifying. It's bizarre. Um, you, you think the planning of baseball season is hard enough? <laughs> Just trying to juggle 30 teams and getting the mm-hmm. away games and the home games and getting them all balanced and all of this stuff. Well, then you throw in a total eclipse of the sun. 
right? Go ahead and sing. I know you want to sing. <laughs> the total eclipse of the sun. Right. Ooh, and, you know, the athletic already dark. used the total eclipse of the ballpark yeah. joke, so I can't even use <laughs> that one. So the Guardians have an extended road trip at the start of the season, which was planned in advance because, you know, there we've talked before about how the ballpark is going under some renovations, and, so, and that which will continue. But the ones that are doing right, it gives them a little bit more time to finish up the ones that are in process mm. right now. So their home opener isn't going to be until April eighth, right? So it's you know like eleven days into the season. This is the day of the total eclipse <laughs> of the sun. Cleveland will be in the path of totality for the first time since eighteen oh nine. The next time Cleveland will be in this path is. 2,444. Okay, that's a while from now. <laughs> that's hysterical. So this is a big deal. So they haven't selected a start time for the game yet, right? It's like you know the very end of sure. January. The total eclipse is going to happen at 3.13 p.m. And it's going to go for oh. three minutes and actually 49 seconds. So about the time of a top 40 song. But it starts getting dark before that. It remains a little dark after that, you know, in before and after the the actual, you know, the several minutes of totality. What the heck are they going to do? Are they going to try to do it before? Night game, I, usually right? they do like four o'clock yeah. start times for the home opener, but it's going to be kind of coming out of it before then. People aren't going to want to be in cars. You know, how cool would it be to be in a baseball stadium when this happened? This happened before. Yes, it did. In 2017, the Rays' single-A team, the Hot Rods in Bowling Green, Kentucky, had they were in the path of the totality of a, of a full solar eclipse. So they started the game at, at 10.34 in the morning, right? And the game was moving on at a very nice clip. They were going to be fine. All the people that say, you guys, and, you know, who think, oh, you can't say that out loud because bad things will happen, the damn announcer noted that the pace of play was awesome and they were going to finish way <laughs> in advance. And of course, then the ninth inning dragged on for freaking ever and it actually did start to get dark. That's hysterical. They finished before the total eclipse and so everybody basically rushed the field and hung out on the field looking up at the sky watching this total eclipse. They had, they had scientists there to kind of talk people through what was happening. How freaking cool is that, right? So the guards haven't figured out what they're gonna, how they're gonna do it. There's other things happening in town. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's a women's basketball stuff. There's, there's all kinds of events happening in Cleveland around this time anyway. So it's not just this opening day, and the total eclipse where people are gonna come from all the frick over the place to be in the path of totality. So wow, plan your opening day or your delayed opening day festivities carefully kind of makes me want to go hang out with some friends in Cleveland that day. Yeah, and just be on the lookout of any weird plants that might be on the field after the total eclipse. Little Shop of Horrors, folks. That's the song. Thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Anytime, look at you like pulling in a Broadway reference. There you, we go. You've been on I Broadway did, I, the past like 48 hours, and yeah. now you've been, you're full of this stuff. We are going to do some cross-training with hockey and beer. Sure, This coming weekend. Yeah. The, the Is it the cask classic? It's the cask winter classic. classic. Yeah, we're, we're going to be drinking cask cask beer. And if we drink enough, we might be playing some street hockey at Denizen's uh, Brewing Company here in Maryland. So if you're interested and you're local, come on down. It's going to be a fun time. It's next Saturday. So we'll be there. Um, let us know if you're going to be there, too. And then we'll report back to the class on Sunday sure. when we record. Um, 
if you do you have anything else going on this week uh putting together my fucking drum kit that's in like 20 million pieces and did not come with instructions so youtube is my friend and i'm gonna get on that right as soon as possible so what's worse no instructions or ikea instructions Oh, good question. Like he instructions no longer have any words whatsoever. Yeah. Well, somebody, one of the YouTube uh, videos that I just found has a link to the online instructions and it does look very Ikea-esque. It's got um, numbers and letters and pictures. It's got like pictures of people doing bad things with big, big X's over them saying, whatever you do, yeah, don't, don't do, do this thing. That actually, no. And maybe I could use that now. It's <laughs> just got the, the stuff. So... It's going to be fun. It's probably not going to happen tonight. It'll happen in the near future, and then I'll hell break loose right But, you here. know, when, when Potty Mouth assembles the drum kit, that means, watch out, Patreon. <laughs> right. We've got some Patreon extras that you are going to love. Sure, but you're going to have to, like, we're going to need some more people to join us. That's for sure. So what you're saying is got to up the ante for you yes. to be able to play in public-ish. Right. Okay, but we will we will drink and play hockey in publicish regardless. Sure. So come see us at, at Denison's. Hey, if you have corrections for us, because you know you do. If you have ideas for our Seattle or Miami boyfriends, because mm. I know you do. If you have nice things to say, because we just love that about you, please find us on social media. Sure, you can still find us on X Twitter or Blue Sky at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram are No Crying and B-Ball. And if you want to join the Patreon fun and encourage me to record some drumming, which, you know, I'm really, really basic. Uh, but, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it for you. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash No Crying and B-Ball. And we take... Most anything change in your in your glove box is what I was going to say. That's what it's called, right? Your sure. Yeah, let's yeah. go with Those that. The little things in mine's your car. in my cup holder. Sure. Yeah. Any of that change, just throw it to us on Patreon, and fun things will happen. That's it. Oh my gosh! Hey, get your booster. Fight the man is the right thing to do. Got those game balls? Send them to Meredith. And until next week, say good night, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. I did a, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to find out what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I can't wait. And now we both can't wait right. to see what you're gonna say. I think I'm gonna need more beer. I well